have a Bible with you, uh, if you come and, and you don't have a Bible, we'd love to get you one, uh, by the way, and so just ask one of the people that's greeting you, and we'll figure out a way to get you a Bible. Uh, if you come and you just forget yours, uh, we always have them back on that Welcome Center table as well, and we also put it up here, but I think there's something kind of neat about holding it in your hand so you can kind of be following along and reading in context. Some people have asked, and I kind of forget to mention it, there's so many different translations of the Bible, right? So, so the Bible, Old Testament was written in Hebrew, New Testament written in Greek, and so we have to translate it into English because most of us don't know Hebrew and Greek, right? And so uh, lots of different uh, translations, uh, all of them really. Uh, there, there's not many that you can find here in the United States that aren't good. They're trying to accurately say this is what God said. The one we use here is the English Standard Version. So if you wanted to know which one, you're, if you wanted to have one that you could follow along with, it's called the ESV or English Standard Version. Uh, this morning, we are continuing our series. We're almost at the end of it. We've been talking about our mission as a church, that we're not just this social club, this people that get together because we like to be together and we like to sing and there's nowhere else they can get together and sing, so we show up together on a Sunday morning. It's not just a place where you can go to, to do social networking, that the church is called out by God to be sent into the world by God to make disciples of Jesus Christ, right? So, so we're called to be a church that is focused on outreach, uh, that's part of what, that's what evangelical means, right? We're, we're good news people. We share the good news of the gospel with others. And so we've been in this series for eight weeks now. We've got one more week next week, and then we're going to open up the book of Jonah in the Old Testament and go through that verse by verse. It's going to be a good four weeks in that book, I think. But two weeks ago in this series, we talked about how evangelism needs to start with prayer that we need to recognize that there's a lot of people all around us who haven't heard and responded to the good news about Jesus. And that matters for them eternally. So we need to, as, as hard as we need to work at reaching other people with the gospel, God needs to do a work in their hearts. And so we need to not only talk to people about Jesus, we need to pray for people. So that's what we talked about two weeks ago. Last week we talked about the fact that Part of evangelism, part of reaching out to other people with the good news is we need to get to know other people. We need to get better at listening to other people, asking good questions, just having relationships with people where, where we actually understand who they are. And once we know who people are and we understand them a little better, then we know how to present the gospel to them in ways that are going to connect with them. But we also need to know the message of the gospel. We talked about that last week. That if we're not talking about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, um, then we're not really sharing the good news about Jesus. We're sharing some stuff, maybe. Maybe it's good stuff. But if we want to share the gospel, we have to be focused on, in some way, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And then letting people know why that matters. Why does it matter that Jesus lived? Why does it matter that Jesus died on a cross? Why does it matter that he rose from the dead? And then telling them how and why they ought to respond. Right? So that's what we were looking at last week. Now this week, one of the questions, uh, so our Sunday school with adults right now is kind of tying in with, with the messages, um, and, and one of the questions that somebody asked last week in Sunday school was, uh, that's fine, I get that, I know, I know how to pray, I know how to talk to people about Jesus, but I don't know how to get there. Like, I have lots of conversations with people, but most of them are not about Jesus. So how do you get from 
talking about whatever it is to talking about things that matter eternally? How do you get to from a, from a conversation about the the, the nine and zero record of the Iowa Hawkeyes to talking about Jesus? How like how, that, that's what we're talking about, and I want to talk about this, but how do you get there? That's kind of what we're doing today. We're going to open up uh, the Gospel of John. So there's four Gospels that explain the life of Jesus, four different accounts. Uh, and, and the Gospel of John is one of them, the last one probably that was written. And if you go to John, um, that's where we're going to be today, there's not many books in the Bible. There are some that are very explicit in telling you, here's why this book is there. John is one of them. So we're going to be in John chapter 4 today, but if you have your Bible with you, turn really quick to John chapter 20. Because as we're jumping into the middle of this book, I want us to understand why this book was written. So if you turn to John chapter 20, look at verses 30 and 31. And here's, here's what it says. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life. In his name. So John writes this gospel, 21 chapters of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, so that we would believe, so that the people he was writing to, which was a mix of Jews and Gentiles with all sorts of different backgrounds, and he's writing to all these people, and we get to read it today. And John's intent was that people would know that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed king the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, we would have life in His name. That's why the Gospel of John is written. And so we're going to today look at one account. Uh, All throughout John, you have Jesus encountering different kinds of people. And, And the Gospel of John was written that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ and in Him have life. Today, we're going to look at this account in John chapter 4, in which Jesus' goal seems to be to reveal himself to this woman as the Christ so that she might believe and have eternal life. So maybe you can guess what the goal of the sermon today is going to be. That, that, that it, it kind of ties in with uh, the message of the Gospel of John and the message that Jesus... I want you to know, I want us to know, to be confident in the fact that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing in him... We might have eternal life. For some of you, that might be a decision that you make today. Uh, For others of you, that's a decision you've made a long time ago and you still trust in Jesus. And and this might motivate you to figure out how do I get from a a normal conversation to a a gospel conversation? How does that happen? We're going to watch the master, Jesus, do that today. Starts with just a normal, natural, unexpected conversation. One that we might call random. Uh, And here's the big idea for today. With wisdom and love, we can turn a random encounter into an opportunity to tell somebody the truth about Jesus. Right? With wisdom and love, which we don't have much of on our own, but God can grant it to us, we can take a quote-unquote random encounter with somebody and turn that into an opportunity to share the gospel. So, if you have your Bible, open it up to John chapter 4. If you're able to, would you stand as we read God's Word, I'm going to read this story in its entirety, 
uh, right now, and then when I go back through and explain it, I'm not going to read every verse again. So this is your one time to listen in and hear. This is God's Word. Actually, let's pray before I read this. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you've given us your Word, that you desire to be known. That, that even the whole purpose of the Gospel of John is that, that we might know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, we may have eternal life. God, I thank you for giving us your word, and I pray that you would make that happen even in here this morning. That, that as Jesus is proclaimed as the Christ, the Son of God, that there are people here this morning that, that maybe have had kind of a casual association with Jesus, that today might be the day that they recognize him as king. They submit to him as Lord. They recognize him and trust him as their Savior pray that that would happen here this morning, and I pray that, that, that for those of us in which that has already taken place, that you would well up in us a strong desire that we would follow Jesus' example in taking a normal, random conversation and turning it to tell somebody the truth about Jesus. Help us with that. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's read God's Word. John chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Now the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria, And then John puts in parentheses, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and this well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He's the one who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I'll give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come back here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You're right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me. The hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming 
and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Sorry, uh, yeah, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then the disciples came back, and they marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar, went away into town, and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. You can be seated. Thanks be to God for his word. It is good. And so, uh, like I mentioned, there was a lot there. Um, and we're going to have to run through it relatively quickly. I'm not going to be able to read back over every verse. Um, but you just heard verses 1 through 9. Here's the first point today. The first point is this. An unexpected conversation begins. In verses 1 through 9, we see Jesus having an unexpected conversation. Um, we do need to understand the setting, otherwise the rest of it doesn't make much sense. So I need to talk about this just for a moment. And the Holy Spirit inspired John to write nine verses about the setting, so it's pretty important. All right. So Jesus was on his way from Judea, which is in the south, to Galilee in the north. To get there, the most direct route is to go through a region called Samaria. However, most Jewish people living down here that would go to visit other Jewish people up here wouldn't take the most direct route. Because there had been for a number of years this relationship between Jewish people and Samaritans that was not good. Jewish people, it says in John's parentheses there, don't associate with Samaritans. Samaritans, you see, were were seen by the Jewish people as like these half-breeds, right? So they, they had a Jewish parent and a Gentile parent, and then these were the descendants of, of those people. And they had kind of their own version of the first five books of the Bible. They pretty much ignored the prophets of the Old Testament. They thought that, that you should worship God on one mountain, while the Jewish people thought you should worship God on another mountain, which is, you heard that uh, later on in the passage. So... So Jewish people and Samaritans just did not get along, right? And so most Jewish people would travel around this way to get to the northern part to visit other Jewish people, right? Um, but Jesus, it says in verse 4, had to go through Samaria. Something was, something was pushing Jesus to not take that route, but to take the route right through Samaria. In the midst of these people that most Jewish people would not even talk to. And so here Jesus is going through this area, and not only was it odd that he went through this area, it was also odd that he would talk with a Samaritan. And not just any Samaritan, but that he as a Jewish man would talk with a woman. Okay, so Jesus is breaking all sorts of rules now, right? That people in that day would have said, oh, I can't believe he's doing that. So he's traveling through Samaria. Then he talks to a woman, and you find out later that Jesus knows a little something about this woman. And, it, and the fact that it, it mentions, John makes sure he mentions that she's coming there um, at noon. Okay? She's coming there at noon. The, the custom in that day was that because of the hot weather, 
women who came to draw water would not come at noon. They would come early in the morning or late in the evening when it was cool, and they would often go together. This woman is coming to the well alone, likely because of the kind of lifestyle that she lives. Because of the choices that she's made, which Jesus knows about and he's going to ask her about later and tell her about, she is, is likely, has likely been ostracized by the people that she lives with. They all look at her and want nothing to do with her, and so she doesn't spend time with them. She comes to get her water in the hottest part of the day when she knows nobody else is going to be there. Right? So, so you get the picture of who this woman is. Somebody who's been cut off, shut out by her own people. And now this person who's shut out all of her people is talking to her. And Jesus says to her, give me a drink. And she's like, oh, hold on. Well, Jewish people don't talk to Samaritan. Why, why, why are you talking to me? Right? So she's, this is an unexpected conversation that begins here. Some might call it random. I don't think God really does random. I think this is very much on purpose. And so this woman with the reputation and Jesus are having a conversation. Just one quick note for application here. One quick note for application. Think about this. Are there people, students, elementary school, middle school, high school, are there kids in your school that other people just don't really talk to? Maybe, maybe, maybe it's because maybe it's because uh, they they look different or they act different than other people. Maybe it's because of something that they've done that everybody knows about, and so they've kind of just like. If, if anybody talks to them, it's usually not kind words. And so there's people that you, can, you know that, that, that are, are kind of just alone, feeling like they're cut off from everybody. There's people like that at your school, aren't there? And, and, you know, even when you get to be an adult, you're going to a workplace, and there's people like that at your workplace. The only time anybody ever really talks about them is kind of to laugh at them because they're kind of a joke. We know people like that, whether they're in our school, whether they're in our workplace, maybe they're even in our family, people that have felt the pain of rejection from all sorts of other people who have communicated either in words or in actions or in the way that they look at them or in the, or in the fact that you never even go and sit by them, that they're just not worthy to be talked to. This woman is surprised that Jesus, a Jewish man, would talk to her. I think one of the points of application that we can get from this is maybe one thing that we need to think about this week, little evangelism tip, maybe we need to think about the person that, that's been cut off by a lot of other people, and maybe we need to surprise them by going to start a conversation with them. Right? Maybe, maybe that's a point of application we get from these first nine verses. But then we're going to see, as is the case with most conversations, a lot of turning points in the conversations. We're going to see four of them. So, so a turning point comes in the conversation when Jesus first just says, I mean, this is a good conversation starter if you're at a well. Uh, so I can imagine you guys like going to a drinking fountain at work and be like, so you're getting a drink, huh? <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's what I'm doing. So, so Jesus is here at a well. He's weary. The disciples are still going. They went into town to get food. Jesus says, I'm tired out in verse 6. So he's hanging out by the well. He's got nothing to get water out of the well. A woman comes, and she's got a bucket. And so Jesus says, I have a drink. That's a good conversation starter if you're tired and there's a well right there, right? So this is not some like, wow, how did he come up with that? He said, give me a drink. He's thirsty, right? That's how the conversation starts. 
But then there's this turning point in the conversation where Jesus takes a conversation that starts out with, can I have a drink, to something spiritual, something pretty deep. And Jesus uses a metaphor. He's talking about that water that she's after, and Jesus tries to use this metaphor to talk to her about living water, which, which we can see if you turn to John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39. It seems like the living water is the gift of the Holy Spirit that comes to all who believe in Jesus. That's what Jesus is really talking. That's what he's trying to get at. That's the truth that he's trying to share. But did you hear as I was reading through that? It's like she doesn't really get it. Do you pick up on that? Jesus talks to her. So in verse 10, he introduces her to this living water in verse 10. And then in verses 11 and 12, she shows that she doesn't really get what he's talking about. And then Jesus comes back and tells her more about the living water in verses 13 and 14. And then you get to verse 15. And she says, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. She thinks he's still kind of talking about the, the, the water. She's like, yeah, that'd be great. I always come here in the hottest part of the day because I, I can't be around other people. They don't like me. They, 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 they have these opinions. I don't want to be around it, so I don't want to come and get water. That'd be great. And Jesus wasn't really talking about that water, right? And so there's another turning point in the conversation. Turning point number two. Uh, maybe, maybe just a, a, like something we can, we can learn from this. If your first approach doesn't work, don't give up. Okay? Uh, you're trying to talk to somebody about Jesus, and maybe you've had that. Like you've had that conversation. I've, I've done it. I'm having a conversation with somebody about something, and I think, like, I think I just explained stuff really well. And they look at you like, 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 like yeah, like, like, you're, like you thought the Cubs were going to win the World Series, right? Um, like, it's, well, like, what's wrong with you? That's not going to happen, uh, right? So, so, I mean, that, like, th- what, what are you talking, like, you've gotten that blank look from people before? Um, like, they, like, they're just not picking up on it? Um, Jesus just will take a different approach. Um, which I like to see. So, so turning point number two. Turning point number two is sin is exposed. Jesus takes a much more direct but still gentle approach starting in verse 16. I mean, watch. So she's like, oh, yeah, I'd take some of that water because Jesus was trying to talk to her. The idea of living water is she is somebody who has sought satisfaction in all sorts of other things, particularly in her case, men. And Jesus is saying, listen, all this stuff that you're running to for satisfaction, it's not going to satisfy forever. I can give you living water, something that will satisfy you eternally, not just temporarily. She's not picking up on that. And so Jesus gets very direct in verse 16. So, I mean, the last thing she said was, sure, I'll take some of that water. And then Jesus says, go, call your husband and come here. And at that point, she's probably like, What's he getting at? And so she answers him. This is verse 17. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You're right in saying I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. So Jesus turned the conversation, and he directly confronted this woman, with her sin. That she is now in a relationship uh, with a man who is not her husband. There have been five before him. 
And Jesus is very directly confronting her. Now notice, he's doing it very gently. He's not shaming her. He's just simply pointing out the facts, helping her to see her sin where she falls short. The sin Jesus is confronting here is sexual immorality. woman is presumably living with or at least having an intimate relationship with a man who is not her husband. That was not acceptable in that day. In our day, it's becoming increasingly acceptable, but as Christians, we recognize that any kind of arrangement that would put two people uh, living with one another who are not married with one another, that leads to a kind of intimate relationship with one another um, that, that God intends to be had only within a marriage relationship. And so there's a problem here, and the problem is sin, and she is clearly guilty. She doesn't deny anything that Jesus has to say. He's telling the truth. And you might wonder, okay, so how am I supposed to do that? Like, like I'm not, you, you talk about approaching somebody with wisdom and love and confronting them in their sin. Like, I don't know stuff about, like, I don't know that stuff. Like, I don't know how Jesus knew that. Jesus is God, and so he just knows that stuff. I don't know. But Scripture tells us in James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask, because God gives it to us, right? And so, so if we lack wisdom, like, I don't know, like, uh, not that God's going to show you all this stuff that there's no other way you could know it, um, but, but just knowing how to, how to go in a conversation. We talked about last week that, that you can't have a conversation in which you're sharing the gospel in which you don't talk about sin, right? And so how do you do that? Well, look at how Jesus does it in a very wise but gentle and loving kind of way. So an evangelism tip might be, with wisdom and love, we can directly and gently expose people's sin. It might start with you just asking questions. Um, that, that's helpful. So just ask somebody a question. Have you always loved God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength? So you're not like coming out and saying, hey, you're a sinner. Um, but you're, you're asking them a question so that they can reflect on their own and come to that conclusion themselves. No, that's, I have not always loved the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind and strength. I, I worship and, and idolize all sorts of other things. Um, so there's ways in which we can, with wisdom, directly, gently, lovingly confront people with their sin. And, and the result of that, verse 19, this woman says, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. <laughs> That's her, her response isn't, uh-uh, who told you? Her response isn't, uh, but one of them was like legit. Like, her response is just, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Right, And then whether she's really genuinely curious or she's just a little bit uncomfortable, um, which I'm sure I would be in that case, somebody just told you uh, stuff that you're like, how did they know? Everybody in town knows that. I felt ashamed of that my whole life. That's why I'm coming to the well at noon. And now this stranger who I just met, he knows about it too, and he talked to me about it, but he wasn't mean about it like all the other people in town are. This guy was gentle and, and loving as he confronted me with it. I think this man must be a prophet. I'm not sure I want to hear anything else, but I kind of, so she kind of changes the subject. Turning point number three, changes the subject, and she starts asking questions about mountains. Did you notice that? She's like, um, uh, look at verse, uh, verse 20, verse 20. Verse 20 says, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Okay, this is a long time dispute between Jewish people and Samaritans. She's like, how about I let them go on that for a while? I'm kind of curious anyway. 
um, as to what this prophet might have to say about this. And also that gets him off of talking about me and my sin. And so, so let's go there for a minute, Jesus. Which mountain's the right mountain to worship on? The one that we're kind of standing by right here, which the Samaritans say is the one, or, or the one down in Jerusalem that the Jewish people say you're supposed to worship on. And so Jesus doesn't ignore her question, but he doesn't chase that rabbit trail forever either. Right? So, so he addresses her question, but redirects it so that he's talking about what really matters. He's saying, listen, the hour is coming and is now here, he tells her. It's not going to matter which mountain we're worshiping on because Jesus comes as, as God's place, right? That, that, that all who worship God starting, starting now are going to worship him in spirit and in truth. That Jesus is the center place of the worship of God. You don't have to go to a certain temple in a ter- certain place anymore, but Jesus comes as the fulfillment of the temple. Right, And so, so he's going to be the place in which people gather. They're going to gather in his name to worship God. So the Father, it says, is looking for people who worship him in spirit and in truth. Right, And so Jesus redirects the conversation. He doesn't ignore her, but he goes down the rabbit trail for a little bit and says, let's get back over here to what's really important. The hour is coming and is now here. Everything is getting centered around me now. So don't worry about which temple you're supposed to go to, which mountain you're supposed to worship on. It's all about me now. The hour is coming, and it's now here, right? So we see that another uh, another maybe evangelism tip for us in that would be try to answer questions when you're having a conversation. Try to answer questions, but don't get lost on endless rabbit trails. Figure out ways to take the conversation back to Jesus. All right, final one. Verses 25 through 30, turning point number four, Jesus is revealed as the Messiah. Now, if you look at verse 25, here's what it says. Verse 25 says, the woman said to him, so, so she's hearing all this, and, and it's starting to trip some things in her mind. It's like, oh, okay, um, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called the Christ. And when he comes, he'll tell us all things. So something about what Jesus has said has made her think about the Messiah. So this woman is curious. She's a smart woman, right? So she's curious, and now she's, she's like, hmm. We've been talking and waiting for this one called the Messiah to come, the Christ. When he comes, he's going to tell us everything. She's like, uh, she wasn't too sure about Jesus' answer. She's like, well, I'll just wait till the Messiah comes, right? And then look what Jesus does in verse 26. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Jesus hasn't done this yet in the Gospel of John. Jesus, while he was in Judea, this was kept a secret because it wasn't yet time for that to be revealed. But here, in the most unlikely of places, in Samaria, sitting with the most unlikely of people, a a woman who has uh, led a relatively sinful, sexually immoral life, and here Jesus is sitting with her, and she's curious. She's like, ah, there's something about the Messiah. I'm going to wait for him. And Jesus says, that's me. You've been waiting. You've been longing. You've been searching for living water. I'm the living water. You've been waiting and searching and longing for, for the Messiah. I'm the Messiah. So Jesus is just bringing it all together right now and saying, I am he. There's a lot of I am statements all throughout the Gospel of John. This is the first one of them. Right? Jesus is saying, I am 
He, you're, you're waiting for the Messiah, the, the, the promised king who's going to come and deliver God's people. That's me, Jesus says. You who are in bondage. The Messiah comes to set you free, and you don't have to wait any longer. The hour is now here. It is me. I am the Messiah. This is good news that Jesus is sharing with this lady. And he's kind of like, oh, the story's getting to its climax now. And, and I love the reality. Like, the, the gospel writers, they don't, they tell you the truth of what happened, right? And so this is like a real conversation. Like, oh, now she's finally going to get it. Jesus just told him, I'm the Christ. What happens next? Is she going to repent of her sins and trust in Jesus? Verse 27, just then the disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away. Like, oh, really? I mean, he was just getting somewhere. And then the disciples showed up, interrupted the conversation. Now she takes off and goes back to town. Like, oh, just, I mean, that sounds like a real conversation, doesn't it? Like, oh, I think we're finally getting somewhere. And then their phone rings and you're done, right? Um, or, or somebody comes and, and break time's over, whatever it is, right? That's real. But Jesus was revealed as the Messiah. He didn't maybe get a chance to expound on that a whole lot, but he said enough. He said enough that her mind is spinning now. And so she's she's so, whatever, scared of the disciples, uh because you probably saw the look that they gave her, right? And so it's like, Jesus, what are you doing talking to her? They didn't say it with their words, but they probably said it with their eyes. And so here she, she just leaves the water jar, takes off and goes back to town. And this woman who would come out in the middle of the day, the hottest part of the day, probably because she was ostracized and shut out by the people in her community, all of a sudden she's something like an evangelist. She runs back into town and look at verse 29. Come. See a man who told me all that I ever did. And she's not even sure yet. But she's wondering out loud, can this be the Christ? She took whatever it was that she knew. She's wondering. Maybe maybe he's telling the truth. Maybe this is really the Savior. Maybe this is the Messiah. Maybe I don't have to keep coming back to the water tank and filling up my, my, maybe I don't have to keep going back to men. Because that's what I've been doing my whole life, going back to men to find satisfaction and to, and to find identity. I don't, maybe I don't have to do that anymore. Maybe the one who is the living water, who will satisfy me for the rest of life, maybe he's the one that's come. Maybe, maybe the Messiah that we've been waiting for, the one who's going to set us free, maybe he's come. And she's wondering, she's wondering enough that she's going to tell some other people, and now they get to come and hear Jesus. That's what we do, church. That's what we're about. That's what we want to be about as a church. We're looking at how to apply this message. I mean, don't you love this story? This is this is one. There's some stories that we cover because we just go through typically a book of the Bible and we start at the beginning, go to the end. We cover some stuff. It's like, man, I've never never really spent much time in that. This is one that they teach you in, in in Sunday school when you're a kid. A lot of kids, kids. When I was telling this story of the woman at the well, have you heard that story before? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of you have. You've heard that. So we've heard this story. I love the transformation that takes place. It starts out with all this unexpected stuff. 
Jesus in an unexpected place, talking to an unexpected woman who has been ostracized by all the people in her life up to this point, who has not found the satisfaction that she's looking for, who is living a sinful kind of life. But Jesus comes to her and very lovingly and directly and gently telling her about her sin and telling her that there's a Savior and it's me. That's the kind of people we ought to be, church. That we would recognize people. We wouldn't be the kind of people that shut other people out and say, well, you're not, you're not worth it to us. You, you've, you've gone too far or you're, you're just different enough that we just, we're going to put you over here. No, we're the kind of people that are ready to embrace anybody and say, come here, I've got some good news for you. Despite what your experience is in life up to this point, the good news that I have to share with you is that you can be eternally satisfied. You can have eternal life. You can have joy forever. And it's in a person, Jesus. Do you trust in Him? Right? And so maybe that's a message you need to hear today because it's a message you haven't heard. Maybe you feel a lot like somebody who, maybe, maybe you've got a lot of sin in your past that you're ashamed of. Maybe it's sin that you've committed. Maybe it's sin that's been committed against you. And that has led you to this point of shame where you just, you're not sure. It was awkward for you to even come and step foot inside of a church building today because you weren't sure what was coming at you. But maybe, maybe this is the day in which you hear clearly the message of Jesus. Your sin is atoned for. Trust in me. That you don't have to keep searching in all the wrong places for satisfaction. Because believe in me and I'll give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. I am the living water. You can be satisfied forever. And it's not going to come in all the other things that you're chasing. It's coming in the person of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? When you do, what you do is you acknowledge before God that you're a sinner. <laughs> I'm not tricking you, God. I've been looking in all the wrong places for all the wrong things, but I'm wondering. Maybe maybe you're just curious. Maybe that's the only point you're at. You're, you're like this woman. Like, oh, the point I got to today is before I didn't care. Now I'm kind of wondering. I'm wondering if Jesus might be the Savior, if He might be the one that brings me eternal joy and satisfaction. I'd love to talk to you more about that. Maybe the people that you're hanging out with today would love to talk to you more about that. Um, that's what we believe as a church. That's what we teach as a church. That's what's transformed my life from being somebody who was seeking satisfaction and joy in all the wrong places to being somebody who now knows that I find life in Christ and in Christ alone. Lots of other good things in my life. Very thankful for. Very thankful that God, by His grace, has revealed to me who Jesus is. Maybe you want to know more about who Jesus is. You're curious. You want to come and talk to me. My, my contact info is in the bulletin. You can send me an email. Send me a text. Call me. Come and talk to me in person. Whatever. I'd love to talk to you more. And for those of you who have responded to Jesus and continue to trust Jesus. Maybe today you just need to hear this truth, that God is able to fill us with all love and wisdom so that we can turn random encounters with people into opportunities to share with them the life-transforming, life-giving message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray.
Father, I thank you. Um, You are a good God. You created all sorts of good things, but nothing that you've created is worthy of our worship and praise. Only you, the Creator, are worthy of our worship and praise. Nothing that you've created in the end, it can. It, there's a lot of things that can bring us temporary joy. We're thankful for all of those things. But we're longing for eternal joy. We thank you for the truth that, that we can find it in Christ and in Christ alone. You are truly a great, mighty, awesome, merciful, just, loving God pray that you would be at work in the hearts of those that are here this morning, that if there are those who who are living life um, their own way, doing their own thing, maybe feeling great about it, maybe feeling shut out and ashamed of it, God, I pray that they would hear the good news of Jesus this morning and that you would be stirring up in their hearts, giving them the courage to ask more questions, to dig a little bit deeper, and maybe even today to have that be the day where their heart is turned, where they trust in Jesus. You are a great God. It is good to know you, and I thank you that you reveal yourself to us. Continue to do it for your sake. In Jesus' name, amen.